Now on BBC One, Screen One presents an unusual and sometimes disturbing film marking Halloween. Over the centuries there have been countless reports of ghosts and ghouls, but the line between fact and fiction has always been unclear. Using the modern idiom of the outside broadcast, Michael Parkinson, Sarah Green, Mike Smith and Craig Charles star in Ghost Watch. And just to confirm, you're not going to be listening to an audio version of Ghost Watch. Welcome back to Horror Court Trash Ever. We are the show that discusses all the masterpieces and trash pieces in genre cinema. I'm Gary. And I'm Chris. And yeah, as the introduction said, we are talking about Ghost Watch this week. Uh, again, thanks to everyone who's been listening to these Halloween Classics episodes. It's great to know that we're still talking about good films. People still want to listen to us. It's amazing. So thanks. Thanks a lot for your support. Yes, thank you very much. We've been much appreciated. We've been getting a lot of uh, US listeners. I mean, obviously, you know, we've got the movie so bad, the good guys. But um, even aside from that, you know, we've been getting uh, more and more people from America listening. So it's nice. They understand us. They yeah. Understand our accents, which is good. I'm probably not going to understand a lot about this episode. Uh, <laughs> they probably struggle maybe with the context of what ghost watch was yeah so um there was a show in america that sounded a bit similar to this i believe said as a message correct me if i'm wrong i believe it's called the wnfn special halloween special um which was uh, an investigation into a haunting that was broadcast live it's a similar sort of uh thing to that from what i've heard of it i mean i need to look further into it um but uh to give you a brief history of Ghostwatch. We've got a shitload of trivia for you. So maybe yeah. it's not going to be so brief. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think of um, all the films that we will discuss in, on the podcast, this one needs the most yeah. notes, little side notes and um, fun facts and trivia. Uh, I mean, um, um, first and foremost, you know, there's a few... Uh, laughable things about some within the trivia um, a few laughable things in the film but just to reassure you I mean that, this is what we do here we pick apart films you know I mean people think we're funny apparently but um, you know uh, just to let you know this is a fucking scary film this is uh, well for me anyway Chris wasn't <laughs> yeah. so scared I, I think this is terrifying not so much for myself but there's, I can understand why there's there's three films that I could watch over and over again and now still be just as scary as the first time I watched them. This is one of them. The other two are Hal House, the uh, found footage film from a few years back, and, of course, The Exorcist. Uh, th- those three films never fail to be scary. But, um, yeah, there's just something about this that just... I don't know. It, it, I don't know whether it's because, obviously, we're so well-versed on the history of it now and, you know... Again, dissecting films the way we do makes you look at them in a different way. Like I found it scarier than the first time I watched it this time around. But um, yeah, no, uh, I definitely recommend if you haven't seen it already, go and give it a watch before listening to this. Um, it's definitely worth checking out. Um, but to go into the history of it, Chris, did you want to? Uh, yeah, start us off? I'll, I'll. Um, so Ghost Watch was a TV movie, uh, essentially, here in the UK. Um, it was screened on Halloween night of 1992 on BBC One. Uh, BBC One being the main channel here in the UK. So um, it's, a, it's a big deal. Big yeah. deal on the night. BBC One. Um, after the watershed. So the watershed finishes at nine o'clock. And that's where more sort of 
adult entertainment comes on. But, you know, it's still kind of prime time-ish, isn't it? Yeah. I've just gone nine o'clock. Um, and, yeah, so it stars Michael Parkinson. I don't know how to describe to a non-UK audience. Either... Michael Parkinson's a bit like David Letterman. Yeah, yeah, I'd say that. So he's sort of, he was a talk show host, uh, a sort of well-renowned TV presenter, very trusted presenter, um, quite old school in his way. Um, and he, yeah, so he stars, he's uh, our sort of show host, isn't he? Yeah. Yeah, and then we've got, uh, on the phones, Mike, Mike, what's his surname? Mike Smith. Mike Smith. Uh, Mike Smith, I'm not too familiar with, but I, I think... Well, he... he was on Blue Peter with Sarah Green, his wife, who is also on this show. So, yes, so Sarah Green is our sort of roving reporter within the house that's the subject of this film. And she was known as a children's TV presenter on Blue Peter... Yeah, and Mike was on there with her um, from time to time, I believe. So, some famous faces. And, of course, Craig Charles. We've got who Craig Charles. At the time was well known for uh, Red Dwarf. Red Dwarf, so he was known more of a sitcom actor. He was more of a comedian uh, at the time, wasn't he, Craig Charles? Yeah, he did the voice for a game show. What was it? It was Takeshi's uh, Castle. Castle. But that wasn't at the time, that was, that was after that. Yeah, so, um, I mean, he, he was a well-known, again, these are all well-known TV personalities. Yeah, so that you the whole idea is that these are TV personalities. They're not, apart from Craig Charles, who's more known as a comedy actor, these weren't known as actors. They were known as TV presenters, real-life people, you know, with, with a history of... Uh, being on TV screens. Yeah, and they especially weren't connected with any sort of horror background or no, not anything so, no. like that. So they are the last people you'd expect to see in something like this. And again, yeah. these are people that the UK trust, you know, and the BBC is a station that the UK trusts. So when they're being told that they're about to watch something that is the real accounts of uh, a paranormal investigation, which obviously the introduction you heard at the start of the show is the actual introduction from that night. Um, you know, they had no reason not to believe them, you know? I mean... Not necessarily. From the research that we've done, um, it was sort of the part of the terms of the BBC showing this. And this is, a, this is crazy for the BBC to show. Yeah. You know, we, we have um, a channel called Channel 4 here in the UK, uh, which is, you know, one of the main channels. But it Channel 4 was more cult things, wasn't it, really? Yeah, it's, it's grittier than the BBC. Grittier. It, it sort of um, pushed the boundaries a little more than the BBC did. The BBC is, is paid for by um, not advertising. So the BBC don't advertise. Um, so it was seen as more of a, you know, a professional mm. channel, um, for want of a better word. Not saying that Channel 4 isn't professional. But Channel 4 was more cutting edge, whereas the BBC, it's crazy that they would put something like this on. It, it was, you know, even now... What do you mean, not necessarily, then? Not necessarily what, so Because I said that it's because the UK trusts them. and like... Yeah, they, they do. But um, from the research that we did, part of the reason why the BBC would produce this is that 
all the sort of, sort of in, in magazines and such. Oh, yeah, They yeah, would have yeah. to state that this yeah, is Yeah, so they said that this is a drama within a mag- drama. TV guides um, and, and such. But a lot of the fear surrounding this came from people who didn't read up on that and just switched it on. Yeah. On Halloween night, you know, just looking, flicking through the TV... And then all of a sudden this shows on where, you know, people are looking for ghosts and then shit just goes crazy. I mean, if you look at it nowadays, if if this was shown on Halloween 2019, you would have the whole of Twitter saying how fake it is. Um, you know, y- you would have the people who had read the TV guide. You'd have the Internet providing information. It's a drama. Um, you know, it's kind of like a safety net. It'll be there. You you expect this now. Yeah. You, you you it wouldn't be as scary. You'd know it's not real. Yeah. Um. And of course, since this show was broadcast in nineteen ninety two, it had such an impact that you got things like Most Haunted, um, Ghost Adventures, Ghost Hunters, all these paranormal reality shows that weren't about prior to this being broadcast, and then. Even within the film industry, um, Oren Pelly, the director of Paranormal Activity, has stated that this was one of his key influences. Uh, and, you know, he believes it should be m- seen a lot more um, worldwide. And, you know, even the Blair Witch Project came after this. I think the only bit of found footage you had before this was Cannibal Holocaust. And, of course, I don't think that had any sort of influence on this. But that was really the only sort of found footage you get prizes because this really was... The inventor of paranormal found footage. Yeah, this is this is actually this is groundbreaking. Yeah, I will give it that. It is it's definitely groundbreaking. This is completely new territory for nineteen ninety two. Yeah, and with that came backlash. Uh, so on the night, the BBC had a phone line set up um, within the film, and on this phone line, people could call up and it would tell them it's a drama. Um, but to give them their own tales of the paranormal. So, obviously, when this started, so many people called this number, it jammed the phone lines. And when people were getting through, the answer, answering machine message wasn't playing, so they didn't know that this wasn't real. Um, it was just a jammed line. So, of course, they weren't getting this message saying it's a drama, and, of course, by the time it was jammed, that's when stuff was going crazy within the film. Um but twenty to 30,000 people called up complaining. And after it was broadcast, they received some rather bizarre calls about happenings within the film. One of my favourites is a, uh, a man shat himself uh, whilst watching it. And his wife called up demanding compensation for a new pair of jeans. Um, three women went into labour whilst watching it. Um, kids were diagnosed with PTSD. From watching it, uh, a priest called up um, saying he was aware that the show was fake, but um, he believes that by showing it, they had summoned demons and ghosts across the UK. Um, and, and one of the more serious matters that happened is uh, a young man um, with learning difficulties uh, watched it and he, he became obsessed uh, because they had, uh, within the film, the whole point is that the ghost makes sounds that sounds like broken pipes and uh, this guy had broken pipes within his house so he became obsessed and believed there were ghosts within his house and uh, he sadly committed suicide and left a note behind saying if ghosts are real then I'll be for it with you forever as a ghost which is quite chilling that this film could have that much of an impact that on... is quite a sad outcome unfortunately um, it's 
it is crazy that the a film, you know, just yeah. an hour and a half could have such an impact on. I mean, obviously we love our films. And yeah, yeah, we, yeah. We take them relatively seriously. Mm. Um, but that, yeah, it's a very sad outcome from this. Yeah. I mean, of course, and prior to this, um, I know going back, we said this is the first instance. I mean, it was obviously War of the Worlds. Are you aware of the backstory? Yeah, yeah. So this uh, this was partly influenced by War of the Worlds, actually, um, which was, I believe, 1930, late 1930s. Uh, Orson Welles did a radio production of War of the Worlds, the uh, George Orwell novel. And he deliberately staged it so that it seemed real and people listened and they thought that aliens had come down and were taking over the planet and there was a massive uproar similar to ghost watch and um yeah it was it sort of became a, a precursor to this style of filmmaking or you know and um yeah. And that became popular, of course, with how old that was, that became popular through word of mouth, as did Ghostwatch. Um, we actually had someone message us earlier um, when we announced that we were watching this today for 31 Days of Horror. Uh, someone messaged saying that it was pretty much the talk of the playground day after with people that have stayed up and watched it. And and how, how did you hear about it? Um, was it through me? No, from... It was a channel... Channel 4... Um, sort of countdown of the hundred scariest. Yeah, I saw on this, and I I ain't gonna lie. I I watched this and it was part of that. I I can't remember what number it was in the hundred scariest moments, and I I did think it looked a little tacky. Um, so I yeah, wasn't it really... showed that scene where Suzanne gets possessed, and that was yeah. like the only thing they're shown from it. And out of context, it, it yeah, you know, it I thought it just looked a little tacky, and I I'd never heard of it before then. Um, I was four years old when it was broadcast, so you know I would have been nowhere near watching the TV at that time. Um, I was five months old when it was broadcast. Yeah, I would I would have been in bed. And uh, so I'd never heard of it, never heard of any of the uproar or anything. I don't think my parents had watched it. They would never have mentioned it. Um, so, yeah, it was this 100 scariest moments. I thought it looked a little tacky. And so I wasn't really inclined to watch it. And then met Gary and he loved it. Yeah, see, I mean, for me, it was quite the opposite. I mean, my family on... My mother's side are quite into the whole, you know, paranormal thing, so they're very well-versed on that stuff, should we say. Um, my dad, not so much, but even, like, from when I started discovering horror films when I was younger, um, and as time went on, and, you know, when Most Haunted came out and uh, my family would watch things like that, I, you know, my mum would tell me that my uncle... He was one of the many that were calling up the line once it was jammed when that was on. It, like, my whole family watched it. Um, recently, my dad was telling me that he watched it and it was terrifying at the time. You know, and it, it, it had the impact on them. And then it kind of just sat to the back of my mind for years. And then I saw it on the Channel 4, um, 100 Scariest Moments uh, program. And then I sought it out. I was like, okay, yeah, I'm really curious now. I want to see what this is like. And I remember the first time watching it, you know, obviously knowing 
the backstory behind anything. And I was terrified. I was absolutely terrified. But then I made a pact to just watch it every year at this time of year and uh, have done for about 10, 15 years now, probably. Well, you watch every year? Every single year. Oh. Yeah. And that's what you've got to look forward to for the rest of our relationship. Oh, wow. <laughs> okay. So, just to... Um, I mean, we mentioned how this influenced Paranormal Activity and Blair Witch Projects and such. Well, um, this also would have... I believe this would have influenced The Conjuring 2 because they're both based off the same backstory um, of the Enfield Haunting, um, which took place in the 70s, I believe, when, um, you know, similar fam- sort of story to this, um, to this film... Family, um, you know, supposedly tormented by poltergeists and demons and such and uh, had investigators go in and whatnot. But you can tell, if you watch The Conjuring 2 and you watch this, you can tell the uh, similarities uh, are definitely Yeah, it's, it's pretty much the same story. Yeah. It, it is. It is pretty much the same story. And uh, is this is directed by, uh, this is female directed, um, which is always great, Leslie Manning, and written by Stephen Volk. And uh, shall we get into this? Yeah, let, let, let's get into it. It's, um, it might not be so long as normal with this I, one. I think it's probably going to be longer. You think? Yeah, I mean, okay. if, if, we, if we check the time, what we're on, uh, what we're on now. Uh, if I can get into my phone. <sighs> it doesn't seem to want to let me. Now, if you hear any noises throughout this, it's not pipes. <laughs> it's our neighbour upstairs. Unfortunately, yeah. we we don't have a studio that we go to and record this. This is in our living room on Gary's iPhone. Um, <laughs> so maybe there might be some noises throughout. Quite fitting, actually. Uh, but I, yeah. I, I, can, I can hear them already. Somebody's doing some sort of fucking tap dancing upstairs or whatnot. I mean, we. I, I still can't get onto my phone. We have actually received a message as we're recording this from my friend, um, my friend Luke, who, um, I'm, who is in a band that I used to um, play gigs with um, when I did more stuff in my band. And he was saying how this terrified him when he was younger and uh, how uh, the scenes with uh, pipes randomly appearing are very effective. Oh, but I finally got into my phone, and it's uh, eight. We're eighteen minutes in, yeah. So we're normally like about twenty minutes into what we're talking about by now. Yeah. But um, yeah, yeah let's we'll, let's we'll let's get, get into it. it. We'll so, start. um, Michael Parkinson introduces and explains what the show is about, um, and as he as he goes on to explain, his family have been terrorized by a ghost uh, for the past ten months. Uh, we are shown some footage that they're captured within this house. And it's the two girls, Kim and Susan. They're in their bedroom, um, about to go to sleep. And uh, one of them gets up to go to the toilet, comes back. And then all of a sudden, there's uh, banging around the room, banging noises. Um, the light, the lamp beside the bed levitates and smashes. Um, you know, it it builds an atmosphere for the rest of the film. Um, and that footage is revisited later on. But before it is, we get a lovely, cheesy 90s intro to the show. Oh, it was, yeah. Yeah, very, um, yeah, very cheesy, <laughs> actually. Cheesy music, cheesy uh, people reacting to a bright light shining in their face. Yes, yes. 
But again, that adds to the realistic side of it. I mean, you look back at this now, you're like, oh, okay, yeah, that's the uh, introduction to a ghost hunting show. But back then, you'd be like, oh, shit, okay. It, it, yeah, it looks almost like a parody. Yeah. It does look almost like a parody, actually. So then we get introduced to Dr. Lynn Pascoe, our sleigh queen of the film. Yes, <laughs> Dr. Lynn Pascoe has a lot to say on many yeah. occasions. And she is up there with uh, horror court trash of a Hall of Fame. <laughs> she is. And she is actually played by an actual actress, um, Gillian Beaven, if I'm pronouncing that correctly. So she's not a well-known face, so we, the audience believes that that is Dr. Lynn Pascoe. Yeah, um, and then within the next 10 minutes or so, it's a lot of, uh, I mean, you can't even say character building, because really, it's, <laughs> four, it's, four of these aren't even characters, they're actually yeah, people playing themselves. It's just a lot of introduction, yeah. really. So it's, um, we're introduced to Craig Charles, who's quite dismissive of the whole thing, yeah. and a little jokey. He's and, the comedic side of things. Yeah, he's... Um, then we get Pam, the mother of the family. Um, we get the phone line and Mike Smith um, explaining that he's there to answer the phones. Um, and then Sarah Green's introduced on site. And then we get an interview with uh, Pam, Suzanne and Kim uh, about their happenings. And uh, Pam gets a little emotional. She does, yeah. She's having a hard time with it all. Yeah. Living with the impossible, as she says. Yes. Um, and Michael Parkinson says we're going to get updates every hour. So I don't, I don't know what he means by that. Because... Well, I mean, uh, again, going back to the things that's influenced, if you look at um, Most Haunted, for example, when they do their live Halloween shows, that goes on for about fucking five hours. So is, does that mean that the intent was this to go on all I night? I think so. I think so, yeah. I mean, obviously, we know how things end yeah. uh, quite abruptly. So I think the plan was for it to go on longer than that. There is a point in within the film where Michael Parkinson says they're going to go on as long as they can until the whole thing's solved and whatnot. So Okay. Yeah, I think that was the intention. Um, so we find out that, um, obviously, Lynn... Um, Dr. Lynn Pascoe is uh, is a strong believer in ghosts. She's an expert within that field. Um, and then we get Sarah Green exp- uh, explaining that she's had a few experiences that scared her and uh, Mike, who didn't seem too happy about her telling the story. No, what I found <laughs> uh, at the beginning of the, the, the film is that the women tend to be the ones that believe... And the men are the more sceptical ones. So you've got Craig Charles, who's quite jokey about the whole thing. Michael Parkinson is... He, I, he's neither here nor there, mm. but I think he kind of sides on the, you know, we're going to end up finding out this is a load of crap. Yeah. Sort of thing. Uh, Sarah Green seems to be really into it. She's got her own story. Lynn Pascal has spent years investigating all of this. Um, the the mother and the two daughters obviously believe that they're living through paranormal act- activity. Yeah, there we go. Uh, <laughs> really? Well, that's what it is, paranormal activity. You so can say you about doing as a pun to the film. <laughs> there's the influence there. Um, so I find that the women are the, the ones that... But, and I, d- I don't know how much I, we can read into this anyway. But you, you can, just, though, because this has became a trope. This has became a trope within films 
containing paranormal stuff. I mean, you look at Insidious, The Conjuring, Paranormal Activity, all of these films. Um, I mean, some of the sequels aren't quite the same, but you look at the originals. This is is always a female character saying, "Look, I know this shit's going on in my house," and I was like, "Get the fuck out of here! This isn't going on, and whatever." Mm. It's always that case now. Why is that then? I don't know. I, I mean, know. the Dead Meat podcast did a bit on this when they were talking about paranormal activity, and they're saying how much it pisses them off that this is always a thing. But um, it, I mean, to be honest, though, even look back further. Look at the haunting. Um, I know the main purpose of that film was that a male character brought them to that location to find out something's going on. But you look at um, Twin Peaks guy, what's his name? Russ uh, Tambley. Yeah, he was. He was quite making jokes of it and everything. And then the females and that were believing it. And then you look at like The Exorcist. Obviously, the mum knows what's going on. And even when she tries to convince the priest at first, they're constantly trying to make things up to say, "Okay, no, this is what's going on." And so it's kind of been a thing forever. This has always been. Yeah, I th- I th- and they did tend to latch on to female characters. So within The Haunting, mm. the the character uh, played by Julia Harris, I forget her name, uh, Eleanor. Yeah. Eleanor. You know, the the, the ghost or, or the house that's haunted latches onto her. Within The Conjuring, the demon latches mm. onto the mother. Within... The Conjuring 2, you know, similar story to this, um, to Ghost Watch as well. The ghost is seen to latch on to one of the, the children or both yeah. of the children. Yeah, it's always children or or women. Yeah. Even, do you know what, even look outside of the supernatural subgenre, even look at Nightmare on Elm Street. What's the first thing that happens in that? You get female character experiences is within a dreams and then it cuts to a scene where all the friends are together first thing is the two females are talking about it male friend comes in makes a joke about it yeah if it seems to be such a thing within the horror genre as a whole then i think so and, and i think which it's... we may even touch on slightly during our screen queens episode we've got coming yeah, up yeah we probably will actually because obviously the the role of female females in horror films is a huge topic. I mean, we could do a podcast dedicated purely to that. Yeah. You know, um, I just I just found it quite interesting that within this film, mm. the men are the skeptics, and potentially not until you know, not throughout the whole film, yeah. they're skeptical. Um, but it's the females from the start that are like, yeah, this is. I actually think something's going on, definitely. Something paranormal. Well, we are next introduced to some more male characters, and apparently they uh, they look a lot like other celebrities. Yeah, Sarah Green had this weird thing at the beginning where she just <laughs> compared everyone she saw to a celebrity. <laughs> yeah, we've got the cameraman, apparently. Uh, Chris, the cameraman, apparently he looks like Mike Getting. Did you find out who Mike Getting is? I didn't actually find out who that was. I believe it was some sort of sports star. I'm not even sure. Sh- to even Google him, I wouldn't even know how to uh, spell his name. And then she uh, introduces the sound guy, um, who was called Mike, I believe. Was he also called Mike, the sound guy? I 
think so. Um, so she she introduces yeah, him, yeah, and yeah. apparently he looks like Adrian Edmondson from Bottom, the uh, British comedy TV show. I'm sorry, we've got this news just in. Uh, Mike Gatting was a cricketer. There we go. You were right. I was right, actually. I didn't yeah. think it was a critter. Uh, Sports critter. expert, Chris Barker here. There we go. So, right-handed batsman, there we are. <laughs> okay. Was that a euphemism? Uh, no, I don't think so. Okay. So, um, then they enter the house. And uh, they then cut back to the studio. And the phone calls start coming in. And Emma from Slough noticed that in the footage at the start of the show with the two girls in bed, uh, there was a figure in the background in a black dress. Um, and immediately that makes you think, oh shit, did I see that at the start of the film? And then, um, you know, later on, Michael Parkinson and uh, Lynn Pascal, they look into it and uh, you can see it clearly on there. It's clearly the first sighting of, um, of, of the spirit within this film. And they're like, no, no, there's nothing there. It's just, uh, it's just a dressing gown hung up, looking like something else. You know, it's like faces in the fire and such. And uh, yeah. Well, fun little fact: that um, phone call, Emma, the voice was um, Ruth Sheen. What the fuck is that noise? Um. Quite ironic that this is happening during <laughs> this episode. I am absolutely shitting we myself. Got, we haven't had many noises. That before. does sound like a pipe's noise. It does, don't. Okay. <laughs> We're not deliberately doing this. The fuck? Um, I hope you can actually hear this. because it. This might... is a podcast first. <laughs> I was gonna say, but if, if they're not hearing the noises, then we just sound I know. weird. If you can't hear the noises, then it sounds like... Pipes being moved. Yeah. Um, anyway, <laughs> as I was saying, the voice of Emma was Ruth Sheen, who uh, went on to star in a lot of Mike Lee films. And I'm a massive Mike Lee fan. Uh, fantastic British director. Um, so that was a fun little fact for me. I don't know if it's for anyone else. No, I had no I idea. Yeah. I had no idea. I was, I was quite, I was like, oh yeah, Ruth Sheen, love her. In between the scene where they get the phone call from Emma from Slough and when they look back at the footage, um, we're given a bit more history of the story going on within the house, within the house itself. Um, After we get some apple bobbin from Sarah. uh, And then we get a very effective jump scare that gets me every single time. And it's a jump scare that was actually replicated in um, Paranormal Activity 3. Uh, If you've seen that film, you'll recall... Um, a scene where a character jumps out of a wardrobe with a mask on and uh, scares the people that think they're investigating to paranormal noises, but uh, it's all messing about. And Craig Charles does that in this one, and it nearly made me jump off the sofa. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Did it make you jump? Not really. Oh. Anyway. Uh, well, Sarah, Green, Sarah Green's not best pleased. No, she's fuming. Again, because she's a big believer in yeah, this. Yeah, and everyone's just basically mocking her at and, this And, you know, for him to take the piss like that, mm-hmm. um, she, you know, she believes that these um, people, their lives are being ruined by this. They, you know, about to have a, a breakdown over all of this, and he's jumping out of the cupboard with a wolf mask on. Um, so she quite rightly calls him a beast. 
Yeah. Uh, <laughs> boost. <laughs> uh, she didn't say it like that, but <laughs> um, so I, I thought it was quite interesting. Yeah. I think it's probably if we're talking about character development. Sarah Green probably has the most in this. Yeah, she's, she's yeah. our oh, main yeah. girl. Then she's... by the time you get to the end of it, you feel concerned for her. Yeah, she's she's our main girl. She's Well, and the thing is, if you knew her from Blue Peter as well, then you'd have already had that connection then, and it just builds onto that. Yeah, yeah. But I thought it was quite effective, her, yeah. her sort of characterisation. I know she's playing herself, but it is a characterisation. We then get some more um, character development within the family. That are there. Um, we find out that Susan saw her mum standing at the bottom of a bed one night, but it wasn't her. Um, Pam and Kim heard bangs around the house, and that's when they um, established that the ghost's name is Pipes because uh, the mum tried making you know it easier for the child to uh, sleep at night, should we say, by saying that it's just the pipes making noises, but then she started calling the ghost Pipes. Um, apparently he lives downstairs in the basement, in the, uh, glory hole. Yeah, so, the, the bit under the stairs, where, which seems to be the focal point of, of the, um, activity. we we'll find out why later. Yeah, um, it was the, the mum's ex-husband, he had a dark room under there for his photography, and she used to call it the glory hole. <laughs> So, obviously, that's hilarious. Um, and I'm struggling to understand why she would call it a glory hole. What's... Yeah, it's not like glory holes became a thing after no. 1992. What's her... Well, I don't know. What? Maybe they used to have sex in the basement. Well... Are you, you researching the history of glory I'm gonna, holes? I'm going to have to. <laughs> I'm sorry. We should have done this beforehand. Because um, I don't understand... Why she would call it a glory hole. This week on the history of glory holes. Oh, glory, glory hole. Here we are. <laughs> wow, I got so many porn sites come up then. Uh, 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 it's a mining term. So it's a hole in a mine shaft where an ore body is mined upwards until it breaks through the surface into the open air. So that must have been her reference point. So it wasn't that they used to that he used to stick his dick through I don't the door. Think he used to stick his dick through the door. Um, and that's how Susan and Kim were conceived. Um, for a glory hole. Well, well. Anyway, glory hole aside. Um, I know you're no expert, but you can't really be conceived that way. I mean. It, it depends where they position the... Okay, okay now let's just let's move on. Not, um, so we get introduced some drawings that Kim did, uh, matching the description of pipes that the caller was given. Um, the, obviously a bold man in a dress. Uh, but uh, her drawing includes a bit of blood. And she gives it to Sarah Green as a gift when they put it on the fridge. Oh, yeah, very nice. And then the scariest part about this scene is the hint at child abuse. Um... Pam found writing in a book. And what did the writing say again? Oh, I forgot. I didn't write it. It was like down. bloody ghost or bloody... So I, I don't know. Some sort of profanity in a book that Susan wrote in at school and she swore it wasn't her that did it. And apparently Pam wanted to hit her. Yeah. Come on, 90s. When uh, was, yeah, smacking yeah. a child was acceptable. Very much a sign of the times, that is. As are the Jonathan, uh, Jonathan, Jason Donovan, Jason Donovan posters, MC Hammer and Crisscross <laughs> posters within the girls' room. 
Yeah, it well, did def- scream Definitely 90s. 1992. Even more than Dr. Lim Pascal's amazing outfit. It, that is a good outfit. But um, that's when they rewind footage, you see pipes, and then um, after this, uh, it, actually that's when the glory hole was first mentioned. Um, and uh, apparently they had to board... Uh, the glory. Okay, I'm gonna call it the basement. They had to board the basement up, um, because Pam got locked in there one day and uh, couldn't get back out, and she felt a man breathing on her, and apparently he had cabbage breath. Yeah, he did have cabbage breath, like really bad cabbage. Yeah. <laughs> and then Sandra from Sussex calls up and tells us a ghost story, which one's a very exciting. We can move past that. Um. No wait, go back when she got stuck in the glory hole. Yeah. She says, she, when she got locked in, she says that all the girls could hear was her banging. <laughs> okay, stop. So what? I'm here telling everyone how scary this film is, and you're highlighting a dirty dialogue. Well, <laughs> shouldn't talk about glory holes then, should you? What was your other favourite line later on? That had you in stitches? Oh, yeah, I didn't write that down. Oh, remark. oh. <laughs> It's Sarah Green. Oh, I'm all wet. Let's go upstairs. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, um, maturity in a bit. <laughs> maturity issues aside, no, I didn't note it down. So I'm going to say it now whilst I remember. They have problems with the taps, and um, and Sarah Green has to get Susan a glass of water. So she gets this glass of water, splashes her hand, makes her wet, and uh, she has to go upstairs. <laughs> I'm all wet now. Moving on, um, we get to find out that Dr. Lynn Pascal has a book and a film out about this. Except the film hasn't been released yet, but she's made it um, comprising of uh, interviews with the family and such. The book is called Angels of the Odd. um, And then we we get another pipe sighting shortly as... Uh, Lynn and Michael Parkinson, they stand around this tape recorder and they listen into a clip from the film that Lynn's made. And within this clip, it's got Susan, who... Uh, again, a scene that was uh, done in Conjuring 2. Um, they were getting her to talk in a demon voice with water in her mouth. Um, and this voice was still coming through and it was... Uh, it was doing the uh, round around the garden nursery rhyme. And uh, it's sounded pretty creepy, but in the background, what's scarier is Pipes comes into the frame of the camera behind Lynn and sort of just stands there, stares at her, and then uh, disappears. Yeah, he's very um, slightly lit, isn't he? So we, we only see like, yeah. a little bit of a, a profile. Yeah, and then we're, we're showing a bucket of evidence, which has some bent spoons, uh, a watch that stopped, which becomes a more predominant thing later on in the film, uh, broken cutlery and ornaments. Uh, and then after, after that, we're showing a picture of Susan uh, with all scratches on her face. Uh, I mean, this is obviously something that may have been influenced from The Exorcist if it wasn't something within the, uh, the story this is based on. I think it was part of the story it was based on. Um, but then they think that that whole thing... Yeah, I think it's her going through puberty and then uh, <laughs> Pam gets a bit defensive and she's like, uh, there's nothing wrong with my Susie. But what, what um, Lynn Pascal thinks is that the... Um, 
pult. I'm gonna say poltergeist. Is the ghost thing. The ghost and has the the focus is on Suzanne, because she's, uh, reached puberty, and she's very introverted, and she potentially has some sort of psychological problems. Yeah. She's she's not you know, quite. Um, there, she's she's sort of quiet and, you know, um, not very popular and so she thinks that this poltergeist has seen Suzanne as an easier target and an easier focus because of these reasons. Yeah. And that sort of brings up what we saw before, you know, in a film like The Haunting, Eleanor... She was very introverted and she was quiet and she, you know, was sort of downtrodden and she became the focus of that ghost, you know? So it's quite interesting how they all sort of play into each other. I'm not going to sit here and say why that is. I I don't know. Um, Well, do you know who has got something to say about it? American physicist Dr. Emilio Silvestri. (laughs) He comes in and he is like, yeah, you're all full of shit. Uh, and then <laughs> Lynn is not having it. Well, our queen is not having it. Well, Emilio's got a very fake looking poster of New York <laughs> next to him. I don't know. It's very um, Eurovision, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Uh, so um, we're, we're led to believe that he's in New York and it's like nighttime in New York. Well, it wouldn't be... No- oh, yeah, I suppose it would... No, no, it'd be daytime in New York. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, because they're, like, yeah. eight hours he, behind he's us. He's like, yeah, nothing's going on. Yeah, you, he's you know, you're all, sort of like, nah. You're all lying, and then it's oh, like, shit. you bastard. Well, not the exact line of dialogue, but she's, like, uh, she's proper standing up to him, gives him what for. It's like, go on, Lynn. She's fuming. Yeah. She's absolutely fuming. Michael Parkinson's trying to hold his laughter back between them two arguing. Yeah, it's a, I think Michael Parkinson is tending to side on Emilio. Slightly. I think he's a bit on both, yeah. though. I don't know. He's a bit in and out throughout the whole film. Yeah. Um, But uh, Lynn just tells Emilio that he's he just doesn't believe it because he's scared of it. Yeah, and that he needs to get out of the lab and into real life. <laughs> So all these, and she's she's basically saying it. He's a, quite, she's basically saying he's a piece of shit. No, well, no, well, yeah, ex- but she's she's kind of saying, well, you know, you're there telling us about the science. Give me science for love, you know. Give me science for um, artistic um, inspiration. You know, you can't see that in a lab. You can't see the science behind that, but. You know, we all know that love exists. So take it out into the real world and the paranormal activity is a little like love. I mean, the massive stretch. Um, but, I, you know... I mean, well, I mean, well, while she's giving this speech, all those gays about it are like, yes, you go, girl. You fucking tell him. Yeah. They, and I, I think maybe there is a little bit of the... Um, male versus female characteristics there. Um, I think Emilio... Emilio is not a very developed character. Um, He just comes in a couple of times and says... We only see him once more after this. Yeah, but maybe he's sort of 
representative of a, a chauvinistic male who doesn't who only believes in science and what he can see yeah and what he can touch whereas lynn is more emotional yeah. as, as a female well it's after this point where shit starts to go down um so kim wants to go to bed um this is sorry to interrupt you there gary but this is kind of a film of two halves. We get a very long introduction. Yeah. It, it's a slow burn to begin with. Which is realistic to what it's it'd be very like to realistic. watch one it of is those what, shows. You know, we're introduced to filming equipment. We're introduced to the backstory. You know, we've got Lynn looking at, you know, broken, you know, cutlery and... <laughs> plates and stuff so it's not it doesn't get right into the action and a lot of films like this are, are the same yeah from from what i remember paranormal activity you know there's a lot of yeah, yeah there's a lot of character introduction because yeah. these and... things you're meant to think this is real if it was yeah you know if it was a film like you've got Insidious and the Conjuring, they immediately start with something happening because you know you're watching a film. Yeah. If you're watching a found footage film, you're meant to be watching something that's been recovered. I mean, with this, for instance, you're meant to be watching a live broadcast of what essentially should have been a boring ghost show. Yeah. Of, of something, you know, people just looking into things to try and find out if ghosts are real. That's it. You yeah. know, you're not. Things that happen in this aren't meant to actually happen. But this is the moment in the film, essentially, when Kimmy goes to bed. Yeah, this is where it snaps. This is you... where. It starts. This is... Yeah, so you get the crew walking downstairs, and as they're walking down, you can see uh, um, they go past Suzanne, and she's sitting there, she's just watching TV static. First, you know, alarm bells. This happened in Portal, guys. This shit's about to go down. And then uh, the crew's watches stop, like uh, ha- like the stuff within the evidence box. Um, and then anonymous guest and um, we get these little video clips of none of this anonymous guest talking his face is blurred out and he tells the story about a ghost that kept spitting at him and then took a shit in his house it, yeah. <laughs> yeah so the, the guy doesn't want to be uh, shown on tv so he's blurred, you know why after this story his face is blurred out and he just recounts a story of a ghost dribbling on his <laughs> on the mackerel he's about to eat and then, You'd be so pissed off though. And then it, oh, oh. You get this nice piece of food you're about to eat, and some ghost just like goes and has a dribble on it. And then dribbles <laughs> on his shoes and then leaves little turds around the house <laughs> and and then <laughs> smears shit all over his bathroom. <laughs> um I don't I didn't think ghosts could start smearing shit and drawling no. it that's a new one for me I, I've never seen a, a ghost film where there's <coughs> little turds left all around the house so, unless it's like a, a ghost dog I mean that that's kind of what a ghost dog would do isn't it I, I, I don't really know if I'm honest mm. <laughs> but um you might have been haunted by a dog well from the laughable to the terrifying this next sequence is my opinion, one of the scariest sequences in the whole film, which is strange because it's a, mainly because of dialogue. Um, we get Craig Charles again, 
and um, he goes for a walk in the street and he starts talking to some of the neighbours. Now, get Yvonne and her friend, a uh, little like something straight out of Coronation <laughs> Street. <laughs> she looks like Yvonne as well. Yeah, she does look like a Yvonne. <laughs> she um, she's outside straight with out a mate. Corey. And um, they talk about how they've witnessed things happening. They saw um, some stuff happening within the house that the film's about. But then they go into the history of their town itself, or that drive, should we say. Um, and they say a girl called Judy went missing. Um, a five-year-old got stabbed. Um, and then they tell a story about this black Labrador dog who um, their kids found in the park with his insides ripped out. Oh, well, her insides were attached, shall I say, because uh, the dog was pregnant. And what was said then? There were fetuses everywhere. <laughs> what did you find that so funny? I thought I it was didn't terrifying. Find it. I just, I, I don't know. I was just like, um, it'd been a bit lighthearted. I, I saw this film as a, a little cheesy. Okay, but on that night, you're watching TV. Yeah, and but these I, can't, two women... I can't put myself into that yeah. position. I'm here in 2019 yeah, yeah. watching it. I've watched plenty of films that are similar to this. I I know, you know, the story. I know that it's not real. So when, you know, Craig Charles is quite lighthearted. He's the comedic guy. So when he goes up to these women, and I'm just expecting a ghost, you know, they always oh, I saw... I saw you know, a ghost in the park once. Um, and then I get a st- stories about a five-year-old being stabbed and then a dog's fetuses all over the park. It sort of catches you off guard. And I'm like, oh. The next bit certainly caught certainly you off guard, didn't it? sinister. The next bit caught you off guard. What? The next pi- uh, pipe sighting. Oh yeah, it did actually. Yeah, I got you. I got you to go back on this one. Yeah, again, Craig Charles is after this story is told um, about the dog, and the five year old being knifed and Judy going missing. Um, he walks off, and as he's walking past uh, the neighbor standing in the background, you get to see pipes again, and this is probably the most clear you get. The clearest you get to see him, and uh, he, you can see his eyes have been ripped, and the guy who plays him. Oh my god, he is terrifying. He looks so scary. He and, does actually look. And I don't know if it's cuz you yeah. only get seen briefly, but like you can see he's had holes ripped in his ears and he he looks terrifying. Um and then we get an interview after that. We uh get an interview of a priest who went to bless the house and but felt sick for a week after and smelt blood on his hands. Um and then we cut back to quite Abruptly, we cut back to the house and where it's all going down and a wet patch um, appears on the floor where they uh, they take a sample of it. But then um, Suzanne appears with a bad stomach. She's got a case of the old code brown. She t- yeah. So there's, <laughs> there's a, a, a perfect circle of water in the middle of the living room. And... Um, and they're like, oh, you know, no person just splashing water on the ground could do that. It's definitely a ghost. And poor Susanna's a, a bad tummy. She's got a case of the code browns. And that's when we get the crazy tap. Yeah. And, uh, uh, when Sarah Green getting Sarah wet. Sarah Green's getting her a bit of, um, is it antacid or something? Yeah. Or some, something to stop her diarrhoea from... Uh, <laughs> 
going crazy. And shortly after this, we get another phone call, and it's Kevin and his mates from Neath, and his cheese pickle sandwich f- fell on the floor. So he's made himself a cheese and pickle sandwich. The ghost is just like, do you know what? Fuck you. Fuck this cheese and pickle sandwich <laughs> and throws this plate on the floor. And then we get... Michael Parkinson thinks it's bullshit. So this is the first time Michael yeah, Parkinson... Yeah, like, okay, mate. ...is literally like, no, nah, that is a crank it's call. Kev, come on. That's That never happened. That's not real. You're eating your cheese and pickle sandwich as a speak, Kev. It ain't happening, is it? Yeah. And then we cut back again abruptly to the house. And this is when it starts really, really picking up because a lot of the time it's showing something cast. I'm like, okay, no, we've quickly got to go back to the house because something's happening. And this time it's um, like scratching and running around that they could hear within Pam's room. Um, you know, Kim shouting that pipes is in the kitchen. There's more banging noises. Um, and when they go down to investigate in the kitchen, uh, all of the drawings have been thrown about on the floor. A cat appears at the uh, at the back door, which is a glass door, so you can see through it, uh, which is a jump scare. And then as um, Sarah stands up, you get to see another sighting of pipes, and he's standing behind the whole crew in the reflection. Again, really effective, because it's sort of like what James Wan does with Insidious. You know, you've got to, you've got to be watching it every second if you want to see these sightings, because they're so fast and they move away so quickly, but... If you catch up, it's very, very effective. Yeah, and I, I read that there were 13 instances. Oh, really? Yeah, and I, I didn't see I'm, 13. I'd say four or five, maybe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we probably only saw the real obvious ones. Um, so it would be interesting. I hope someone's done a YouTube compilation. Uh, we'll have a look after. If, if yeah. anyone's actually seen these other sightings of him within this film, then just, you know, drop us a message, let us know. Yeah, because I would like to see them because I, I've watched this twice now. And yeah, four or five is probably the max. But apparently it's 13, so... Well, after this sighting of pipes, um, we get some footage of the hallway where it's revealed that um, the banging noises that were still happening at this point um, was actually Susan making these noises. Again, something from the Enfield haunting, um, where it's very famous that, you know, one of the girls was caught faking it. Um, This, yeah, Susan was making these loud noises. And this kind of, it it shuts Lynn Pascoe up a bit. She's a bit like, uh, but then it only shuts her up for a couple of seconds and she still tries, you know, desperately trying to explain that this is still you know very much a thing this haunting is still very much going on there must be an explanation behind this michael parkin says we set out to catch a ghost what and, we thought was a hoax yeah and i think he, he i think he seems a bit pleased that it's been resolved he said well this has been resolved now it's all a hoax. Always been a hoax. I'm sorry, Lynn. You know, you've wasted your time on this. Yeah, that piece of shit, Dr. Silvestri, comes back with his fake New York picture. <laughs> and he's like, eh, I told you so. Um, and then in the house, Susan's basically saying that she lied to make the crew stay. Uh, she's saying, look, I'm giving you what you want. You wanted a ghost for your show. Here you go. This is it. Which, I mean, if you're watching at the time, you think, oh, well, what a waste of time. I've spent watching this show, you know, think... Well, she she's essentially thinking, um, if nothing happens, then everyone's just gonna forget yeah. and leave, and you know, they're gonna look like idiots. Yeah. Um, 
Which makes sense. I mean, again, that's, you know, this is a child we're dealing with within this yeah. film. That's some, you know, they think there's something that's going on. They're taking, um, you know, taking it running a mile and you, they're trying to make out that this stuff is actually happening. I mean, obviously you find out it is happening within this film, but, you know, obviously that point is thinking, shit, what the cast happens? Let's, uh... Well, they'd already been ridiculed in the newspapers yeah. and the media had sort of made out um, straight away that they were delusional. Well, we're kind of thrown back into the deep end after that because then there's another phone call. This one's an anonymous call. And it's this lady. And this is probably one of the scarier phone calls from the film because a lot of them you can't take seriously. Um, but this one is this lady who doesn't want to give a name, but she's saying a table exploded within her house. Um, her husband was taken to hospital and she just keeps saying there's blood all over the walls. Why are you doing this? Um, and then she's saying her kids are terrified, they're refusing to go to bed, they're refusing to stop watching the show, all of her clocks are stopped, and then it kind of like, it kind of clicks, it's like, oh, okay, hang on, their clocks stopped, the kids are acting weird, um, you know, her husband's been sent to hospital, this is, uh, it's that, and her call sounds more like, more convincing, you don't think it's a fake or anything, and then Michael Parkinson's like, well, why aren't your kids in bed? So like, well, hang on a minute. She's saying there's blood over her walls and everything. It's like, well, you know, your kids should be in bed by now, shouldn't they? Your kids shouldn't be watching anyway. <laughs> it is past the watershed. <laughs> so this call quickly ends. Um, and then we get uh, an interview shown from Lynn's film where Kim starts describing pipes and uh, matching the description that the callers have been... Because, again, we were told that more callers have been calling in, giving a description of a man in a dress, a bold man, um, with either no eyes or black eyes, and then it shows you Kim describing him prior to all of this. Um, and if we've noticed, if the viewer has noticed yeah. him throughout, you know, one of these sort of cameos that he has, um, if we've noticed, then that matches the description that yeah. we've got as well. So then we're back in the house and there's cat noises. It sounds like they're trapped. Um, and uh, Kim comes rushing out, tells Sarah and everyone to get into the bedroom. They go in there and Susan is hidden under the blanket. And they take the blanket off her and then uh, she's got all the scratches on her face again. And she just looks lifeless. Uh, and when she does start interacting, she's in some sort of trance where, you know, um, she doesn't want anyone near her. Um, she reacts really dramatically every time anyone goes to touch her. Um, Kim starts saying that Pipe said we all have to stay. Uh, and then uh, we get another phone call back in the studio from a Mary Christopher. She doesn't say where she's from. Um, and she gives a tale of a mother. Did you get the... Because it's quite hard to make out the name, she says. No. But either way, uh, it's a tale of a, a, tale of a child murderer who used to live in Foxhall, and she says she thinks it used to be that house where they lived. Um, so then back into the house, Kim's refusing to leave, uh, says she has to speak to Pipes. Um, she says that he's within in the room with them, he looks like someone's mum. Of course, this matches with what the caller just said. Uh, and then as the camera's panning to the left, you get another clear sight in the Pipes, just standing in the corner of the room, where he is in the original footage at the start of the film. Um... And then, you know, shit just really hits the fan. The camera starts breaking up. The technology's all breaking and whatnot. Um, and then as they're leaving the house, Susan's backs into the corner of the room. 
And then that's the moment that was on the 100 scariest moments where she puts on this uh, this possessed voice as she's saying, you know, what big eyes you have, what big ears you have. And the mum, she's like, stop it. Stop it. <laughs> it's like, hang on. No, you'd be screaming. Get the fuck out of there. Leave the daughter behind. <laughs> it is a little cheesy, this bit. Um... I mean, still, you know, when you're watching it within the film, it's scarier than when you're watching it randomly. As yeah, a, as a yeah. Clip. It is more effective in the context of the film. Um, a picture frame falls down. Um, and then a, a very well-known trope within possession films. Susan turns to her mum and she tells her um, she always messes everything up. She hates her. And she tells her to leave. And then... This quickly, uh, again, this is really picking up pace at this point. Kim disappears. Um, they start running around the house looking for her. And then it leads them back to the kitchen um, where the lights have gone off. And a, a really creepy scene. Sarah uh, finds a teddy bear of a bunny in the sink, having water poured over it and the tap is on. But the bunny's eyes are missing. And then she finds Kim behind the fridge and then... Uh, Kim's like, oh, he's here and uh, here are his eyes. And she's got the bunny's eyes in her hand. Um, and then the mirror shakes, falls on to uh, the cameraman, knocks him out. Well, they quite foolishly decide to open the glory hole. Yeah, because they can hear <laughs> something within the glory hole. Story of your life. Go fuck yourself. <laughs> so, um... <laughs> They open up the glory hole, and as it it swings open by itself, you get to see the side of pipes getting revealed, and then all of a sudden the mirror falls off, smashes the sound man over the head, and all of that happens within the space of, like, a few minutes. It's just constant. It's like, scare, 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 constant. Yeah, it, it falls to the wall batshit crazy at this yeah. point now. Um so then um, Susan starts calling out, saying she's being hurt, but you can't see her on the camera. Uh, the camera cuts out, and then the camera cuts back, and everybody's happy, and they're playing cards. And you, you don't think, you know, it's like, oh, okay. Well, it goes, it goes to Craig Charles yeah. for a little bit of comic relief, because he's... He doesn't know the camera's on. He doesn't know what's been going on, so the camera suddenly goes on to him and he's like oh yeah i'm not prepared the bloody bbc typical bbc yeah and then it goes back to the um, camera in the house and they're all nicely playing a game like they did earlier in the evening um the girls and sarah green and then we go back to the studio and Dr. Lynn and uh, Michael Parkinson are watching this live feed of them playing the game. Yeah, and then they get an anonymous caller. Did you get this um, written down, what he says? Uh, yeah, so essentially... So th this is essentially the big reveal. It's uh, a gentleman on the phone who said that he was a social worker in the 60s for a guy who lived at that address. Now, he was the um, nephew of the two owners, and it was a sublet, so it was on none of the paperwork for the house. So Dr. Lynn was unaware of this, um, and he said he was a social worker, and that the guy was a child molester, 
uh, when he got out of prison, he believed that a woman was living in his body, which is why he wore dresses. And that he ended up killing himself because he couldn't take it anymore in the, uh, under the stairs where the uh, um, glory hole is. And he wasn't found for a long time. And the cats that he kept ate, pretty much ate him. Yeah. Including his eyes. So we know that that's, that's pipes. So that's the, the the ghost that we've been dealing with throughout the film. And I know you said, you know, you can't really put yourself in a mindset of someone back in 92, but hang on a second. You're sat at home, 1992, you're watching this ghost show. That story gets told. That is some fucking heavy shit. Yeah. Oh, it is, yeah. That is something else. That is like... Oh my god, you dropped a fucking child molesting spirit into this. Yeah. While showing us these kids being harmed. And one of them particularly saying, don't touch me. Yeah. He's touching me. Th- oh, that yeah. is fucking heavy. Yeah. And this film's rated 12 in the UK as well. It is actually. Which is shocking. I mean, I, I thought just that little monologue alone might have guaranteed it to be a 15. But no, it's a 12. Especially you hear stuff like that in the news, though, don't you? Yeah, but I mean, when it's put into the context of this, yeah. and you know this is what they're dealing with. Yeah. Um, especially with what happens next, because, I mean, the um, Lynn quickly realises that that guy hangs up um, on the phone, and then everything in the studio starts going crazy. And their lights start breaking and whatnot, and Lynn's like... Uh, the ghost is in the system and then she clicks on the picture frame that fell down earlier is still up within the footage they're watching it's like he's tr- the ghost is tricking us he's showing us earlier footage when everything was all right so she sits down she's like oh my god we've created a, a seance and the way she puts it is it, it kind of triggers the thought of, oh shit so just watching this show has created a seance within your home um, and, uh, so then we're cut back to the street and, uh, emergency services arrive. Um, you can see everyone leaving. Um, but then they're like, the only people that are left are Suzanne, uh, Sarah, and then, uh, Chris, the cameraman. So then we're cut to the, to an infrared camera, which is shown early on in the film as a bit of foreshadowing. Um, and you, you're expecting something to happen. This is pure Clarice Starling, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Very Silence of the Lambs. You're expecting something to happen with this infrared camera. Nothing does happen, though, which I think is a missed opportunity. Um, well, yeah, you could have you could have got a good scare yeah. out of that one. They find a torch. The normal camera comes back on. Um, you know, they're looking for Suzanne within the house. Things are still going crazy in the studio uh, and in the house. Things are shaking and whatnot. Um... And then Suzanne is like, uh, she's calling out for help. She's like, help, he's hurting me, he's got me and whatnot. Um, And then Sarah opens up the glory hole. um, And you can see there's wind blowing from it. And uh, she's like, okay, yeah, I'm going to stop at you. And uh, she's like, uh, okay, I'm going to come in and help you. Um, She goes in. She gets locked inside there. Um, the studio at this point is a write-off. Everything's broken down and it's only Michael Parkinson left alone in there. Um, and then next minute he's talking to the camera and fucking Michael Parkinson gets possessed 
uh, and starts reading from the auto cue what Pipes is telling him to say and talks in a demon voice. And that's it. So these viewers in 1992 were left with <laughs> Sarah Green locked inside a glory hole, um, captured by a ghost. This cameraman, fuck knows what's happened to him. And obviously the girl as well. And then Michael Parkinson's possessed. Holy shit. <laughs> but then you get a list of... Oh, credits. Credit. You get the credit, which consists of a list of directors and writers and actors. So, which begs the question, was that shown on the night or was that only included for the DVD release? No, it was. It was, was, one, it? Of, it was one of the... Um, Things that the BBC told them they had to have. So all these people that complained and everything, then they must have turned it off before it finished. Well, probably. Or just not paid attention to the credits. Or just not paid... They probably just yeah. didn't pay They're probably attention. so scared that they probably didn't even pay attention to that. What happened was there was a film on the other channel and the film finished partly into Ghostwatch. Yeah. So the film finished, there was some James Bond film or whatever... And people changed the channel to BBC One before they had that introduction. So I understand to a certain degree why people reacted the way they did during the, you know, the film. Mm. But then at the end, you have a list of, you know, personnel who were involved in, in the film. Well, somehow they ignored it and then, you know, obviously all the complaints ensued. Um, you had the suicide and everything. And then it was banned um, for a good while. Um, it was nominated for a BAFTA at first. BBC said yeah, not yeah. to um, nominate it. It was banned. The creators, you know, tried to keep it his, hidden as possible for many years. And then the internet became a thing. Uh, and it, be- it gathered a cult following and now it's became this cult film that you know loads of people are aware of and uh, people appreciate it as a found footage film now you know and obviously we're not the only people that are giving it comparisons to all the likes of modern found footage films um, yeah and it is highly influential fantastic piece of uh, British television I find the story surrounding the film more interesting than the actual film itself. Yeah, the story is insane. There's a documentary out called Behind the Curtains, I believe, um, that I haven't seen. I, I really want to see it because um, it's actually got interviews with Michael Parkinson and Craig Charles and everyone who was involved with it um, from back then, as well as, um, you know, film critics and experts as well. But, um, yeah, no, it's, it's fascinating. It really is fascinating. It's a brave move. Very brave Very move. Very brave. Groundbreaking. Yeah. It, it really was. And I know, you know, people use that word a lot. But this was the first of its kind. And it's crazy. Yeah, it's a milestone in, um, in horror filmmaking. Um, and, you know, to think it started... It's, it's a TV film as well. That's just bizarre. On, the B- on BBC One. On BBC One. On BBC yeah. One. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's crazy. I, I love it. I mean, I, you know, I have no problem because of that and because of how much, you know, it still terrifies me to this day. I have no problem giving it a five-star rating. Um, 
it's just yeah, it's just fantastic filmmaking. It really is. So, that's it for Ghostwatch. What was your rating? Did you give it four? Uh, yeah, I give it four. Yeah. Um. Yeah, that's that's it for Ghostwatch. Uh, I've been excited to talk about that for quite a while, and uh, yeah, highly recommend it. If if. On Halloween. Yeah. Watch it on Halloween. Yeah. It's probably the most Halloween of the films we've done. Cause yeah. It, it was aired on Halloween. Um, if you haven't seen it, I know we've just gone through the whole thing. Um, but, you know, we haven't really done it justice. If anything, yeah, if anything, this is probably the best way to watch it now. It's, I've posted on social media all day. If you haven't watched it and you're going to watch it, make sure you know about the backstory first. Because that is what makes it more effective. If you watch that now, you knew nothing about it, you knew it was a fake, you knew it was a film, it would just seem like, meh, okay, there's no found footage film. But if you know everything surrounding it, it makes it so much more effective. Mm. But yeah, that was, that was Ghostwatch. And... What do we have next week? Is another one of your choices? Next week is the greatest film that has ever been made. The Room. The <laughs> Showgirls. It's Spice Well No, it's not. Uh, it's Silence of the Lambs. My favourite film. I cannot wait to talk about this one. It's for me, it it's cinematic perfection. Yeah, and quite an unusual choice for Halloween classics. I mean I think it's a great film to watch at Halloween. Oh, I, I, oh God, I'd watch it any any time of the year. Um, but, you know, I thought it was a good opportunity for us yeah. to talk about it. For Halloween, it's definitely a horror film. Yes, and that is our final film for um, the Halloween Classics episodes. And shortly after that, on Halloween itself, we'll be releasing a one-off bonus episode where we talk about Screen Queens within horror. Yes, yes. Very excited about that one as well. Uh, we love our screen queens. Yes, love them. Um, we'll be talking about in particular. Um, yeah, we'll be talking about Doctor Lim Pascal on that episode. Doctor Lim Pascal, <laughs> yes, the Slay Queen, Doctor Lin. Um, but yeah, no, really, really excited for the next couple of episodes. Yeah, I um, hope you enjoyed this one. Yes. So if you are listening on Apple Podcasts, uh, don't forget to rate, review and subscribe. Uh, if you're listening on Podbean or SoundCloud, like and follow. And if you are on YouTube uh, listening to this, then drop us a subscribe and a like on there as well. And a, a comment. Let us know what you think. Let us know what you think to Ghostwatch. And I think... Oh, hang on. No, I'm Gazmo205 on Instagram, gascruise 92 on Twitter. I am Chris Barker eight two three on both Instagram and Twitter, and I think that's about everything. So we will see you same time, same place again next week. Thanks for listening. Bye.